Today in the Joy in the Word podcast, we pick up in the book of the Gospel of Matthew, and we're in chapter 12. This chapter begins with the title, Lord of the Sabbath. This can also be found in the book of Mark and in the book of Luke. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Remember, the Pharisees are literally trying to nitpick every single thing that they do to try to find some way to accuse them, some form of guilt. So verse 3, he says, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God. And he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. So a couple things here. Uh, This is from the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 21. Also, Leviticus chapter 24 tells us about the law in regard to that bread. The story of what David and his companions did is in 1 Samuel. So the consecrated bread, um, every Sabbath, there were 12 fresh loaves of bread that were made and they were set on the table in the holy place. And of course, we talked about this also before as we learned about the law. And so basically what happened is these were the new loaves, but the old loaves were eaten by the priests. So that was food set aside for the priests. And then we know that David and his companions ate those loaves. Then it says in verse 5, or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So he's telling them that they did not understand the purpose of the law. And they did not understand that the Lord desires mercy, not sacrifice. Picking up in verse 9, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So again, they're trying to find some way to hold him guilty. First, that they're gathering food to eat on the Sabbath. And second, that he is willing to heal on the Sabbath. So he says in verse 11, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Now here Jesus could have just said, your hand is healed. But instead he had the man take a step of faith and he said, stretch out your hand. And therefore his faith made him well. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. 
Now moving on to verse 15, this portion of the chapter is entitled, God's Chosen Servant. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And then here, Matthew actually quotes what Isaiah said, and it is the longest Old Testament quotation, and it is from Isaiah's first servant song. So it says, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he leads justice to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. In his name, the nations will put their hope. Then the next part of the chapter is entitled, Jesus and Beelzebub. Now, this can also be found in the Gospel of Mark and Luke. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? And of course, we knew through the prophets that the Savior, the Messiah, would come from the line of David. So they're saying, Could this be him? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Okay, so here we are given the information that Beelzebub is the prince of demons. You'll remember from the book of Second Kings that King Ahaziah had cried out to Beelzebub. Remember when he had his illness, he said, Go consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from this injury. So Elijah had asked him, is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going off to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? And remember that Ekron was a town in uh, the kingdom of the Philistines. So this is a Philistine god. Now, like I said, Beelzebub is referred to as the prince of demons. The name literally means Lord of Flies. And it is pretty much understood that this is supposed to be a parody or a mockery of Beelzebul, which means exalted Baal or Prince Baal. And they ended up saying the Lord of Flies rather than the exalted Lord. And like I said, this name specifically refers to Satan. So it says, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? If I drive out demons by Beelzebub, By whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions 
unless he first ties the strong man. Then he can rob his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. So hear that again. He's saying sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but not blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So that's pretty direct. This is Jesus saying, if you speak against me and you later understand what you are saying is not true and you repent, like you will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the one to come. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Now the next portion of the chapter is entitled The Sign of Jonah. We can also read about this in the Gospel of Luke. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Of course, we can read about this exact story in the book of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. It says, now one greater than Jonah is here. So you'll remember that Jonah didn't even want to go speak to the Assyrians. Remember, he said these were evil people. He didn't want to go, and the Lord had a fish swallow him. And then he ended up going, and the people repented, and they were an evil generation. And so now he says one greater than Jonah is here. And if you don't repent, you will be judged by them. Verse 42, the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now one greater than Solomon is here. And so the queen of the south, also known as the queen of Sheba, um, in a southwest portion of the country of Arabia. So, of course, she was a Gentile, but she heard of Solomon's wisdom, came and listened to wisdom and truth, and it changed 
her life. And here he's saying that she will stand in judgment of the people that don't receive the truth from Jesus. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So it's basically saying that unless your life is changed and that you don't just speak of Jesus on the outside, but that your life is transformed, that who you are is made new, that these evil spirits will come back because they will find an empty place to come and make their residence again. And then to end the chapter, it is entitled Jesus's mother and brothers. Also in the Gospels of Mark and Luke, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother, my brother, my sister. So understanding that we are all sons of God. And so when we do the will of our father, we are a family. We are one in the Lord Jesus. And that ends chapter 12. We will pick up next time in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13.